Well, welcome back to the podcast, pod girls, pod boys, pod people. It's your boy, Dr. Mark List. Uh, today's joke from the primarycarepod at gmail.com inbox uh, is a, a joke that was sent to me by an anonymous listener, uh, Dr. List. The last wedding I was at was very emotional. Everybody was crying. The bride, the groom, the priest, even their massive cake was in tears. <sighs> okay, uh, same bad jokes. All right, uh, let's start the podcast. The Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, welcome back to the podcast, Pod Girls, Pod Boys, Pod People. It is your boy, Dr. Mark List. And today's episode, uh, I've been away, uh, taking a little break from the podcast, uh, you know, having some downtime over the summer. Uh, hopefully, everyone enjoyed the rest of their summer. Uh, as we get back uh, in towards normal routine, I'm currently on a, 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 not a vacation, but a work trip. I'm actually doing some uh, physician coaching, uh, EMR assistance uh, up north. And uh, so as I'm sitting in my hotel room here, I thought I'd get back on the podcast uh, train and an episode on what I think is a really important topic and a topic that uh, I come, I probably deal with uh, pretty routinely, actually. Uh, and some of you may or may not have to deal with this, um, depends on your organization and your rules within your organization. Uh, but this is an evidence-based guideline, and this was a cooperative uh, pra clinical practice guideline from the American College of Gastroenterology and the Canadian Association of Gastroenterology. So a, a combination of those two groups got together. And this is a suggestion uh, for periendoscopic management of anticoagulants and antiplatelets. So this uh, study was uh, April here of 2022, so about three months old now, published in the American Journal of Gastroenterology. And with this comes a couple of changes that they recommend. And I'm going to scroll down here. And they talk about two different um, times when you'd use these guidelines. Uh, the first whole set, which I'm not going to spend a ton of time in, is when the, when the patient is currently hospitalized or at least under observation with an acute GI bleed. So what do you do with somebody who's on warfarin, who's on a DOAC, who's on aspirin, who's on antiplatelet agents, and they have a GI bleed, and so they need a, an endoscopy, right? They need some kind of EGD colonoscopy, et cetera, right? And then the, what I'm going to focus on, at least at the beginning, if we have time, I'll, I'll, I'll dig into those um, the acute GI bleeding um, ones. But then the other scenario is, well, what about patients having elective GI scopes, right? So they're having upper scopes or having lower scopes. What is the, um, what is the recommendation for, uh, based on these experts and what evidence is there for the management of warfarin, DOACs, uh, dual antiplatelet sec for secondary prevention of strokes, uh, et cetera, and then just plain old aspirin, right? And 
So this is not what I am seeing in my neck of the woods in terms of clinical practice. And so these guidelines are going to help me at least maybe um, feel more confident with my patients and telling them what the rec- what the recommendation is from the national experts and actually international experts. Um, and, and hopefully then uh, maybe change the mind or at least uh, uh, qualm any fears uh, from my, my local endoscopist. So for all patients on aspirin, whether it be 81 milligrams to 325 milligrams, and this is specifically if they're on aspirin, even for secondary prevention of any ASCBD event, um, so known coronary artery disease, known heart attack, known stroke, all of it, all of the rec- the recommendation is to continue aspirin for their elective colonoscopy or EGD, which again, in my neck of the woods, is definitely a change, and I don't see that happening. Um, The evidence for this, uh, based on this review, is very low. So again, not the best level of evidence to support this, uh, but definitely what they are recommending. What about if they are on dual antiplatelet therapy for secondary prevention? So if they're on, you know, a clopidogrel plus aspirin, um, or if they're on uh, Ticagrelor, oh man, I was I even practiced that before I launched the podcast. Ticagrelor uh, or Prasugrel, oh, you know me in pronouncing drug names. Um, so any of the uh, the P the P2Y12 antiplatelet drugs, right? Uh, the most common one I see around used uh, around my neck of the woods um, is clopidogrel, uh, Plavix, and so they actually recommend stopping the Plavix, uh, any of those uh, specific drugs, but continuing the aspirin while they're having that elective endoscopy, okay? Uh, For DOACs, they actually recommend temporary interruption of the DOAC. So again, your dibigatran, your apixabans, et cetera, um, they actually recommend discontinuing that temporarily and then restarting after the procedure. For warfarin, they actually recommend continuing warfarin for procedures with low to moderate bleeding risk. So that means colonoscopies and EGDs. And if the warfarin is interrupted for a procedure for very high risk of bleeding, so for example, if there's a bigger thing that they're going to remove or if there's um, a known risk for large bleeding with the procedure, they actually suggest against bridging. So I think that's pretty crazy. Um, so even if the even if the procedure... Um, even if the GI physician, the endoscopist, the general surgeon, the family doc, whoever is doing the scope themselves, thinks that there's a high risk for bleeding and they want to interrupt the warfarin, they actually don't recommend bridging unless the patient has a mechanical heart valve. So all these things are big changes for me. And in my neck of the woods, right, I usually uh, sign the patient up for a colonoscopy or an EGD, and then I send off the referral. Um, and then sometimes I will get a message back. I normally don't have to do an, uh, a pre-op HMP for endoscopies. Uh, you know, normally the, the person who's doing the scope just does those the same day. But I oftentimes get a, a, a notification or a message asking me to stop their warfarin, um, asking me it's okay if I stop their warfarin or stop their Plavix or stop their aspirin, uh, stop their, uh, you know, uh, their Xeralto, their um, Eliquis, et cetera. Sorry if using trade names. Um, but... Uh, now with these guidelines, I think I'm going to be very clear that I can, you know, send a message back to the GI doc saying, you know, based on these recommendations, the only thing that I'm going to be stopping is their Clopidogrel, um, their uh, Xeralto, their uh, Eliquis, 
And unless they have a mechanical heart valve, and I only have a couple of patients with mechanical heart, heart valves, not even discontinuing their warfarin or their aspirin. So uh, these are really uh, good guidelines to know that the American Gastroenterology um, uh, College of Gastroenterology uh, agrees with these guidelines not to change things. Um, I also think that it's reassuring to patients that there are expert opinions not to stop these. Obviously, you know, you can have conversations with your local docs um, about this um, and, and have more conversations with your patients, but this will this will likely be a game changer for me anyways, um, and we'll see if this, uh, you know, continues to change locally. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time, but they did um, talk about how to manage your patients on warfarin or DOAX or on your antiplatelet agents or on aspirin who have an active GI bleed um, who then need a, you know, endoscopy. Uh, whether it be an EGD or colonoscopy, and they actually recommend a lot of this um, prothrombin complex concentrate if you have that available in your organization um, instead of like FFP, fresh frozen plasma for warfarin or vitamin K, which is what I historically, whenever we, uh, when I was in residency, I knew that when people were um, in with a GI bleed and they were on warfarin, we use a ton of vitamin K or FFP. But uh, they are actually suggesting um, PCC, this uh, prothrombin uh, uh, complex concentrate, over uh, fresh frozen plasma FFP. Um, and for DOAX, they actually rec- recommend against the PCC and basically uh, suggest stop st- suggest using anything, either for dibigatran, rivaroxaban, apixaban, uh, basically trying not to use uh, anything. Um, uh, the recommendations are suggest using against PCC, suggest using against the the two reversal agents. Um, for antiplatelet agents, right, so your clopidogrels, et cetera, again, recommending against using platelet transfusion. Um, and then for aspirin, suggest continuing aspirin for secondary prevention. Uh, for primary prevention, okay to discontinue. Um, if aspirin is interrupted, suggest resuming aspirin on the day hemostasis is endoscopically confirmed. So again, um, these are much less aggressive in terms of uh, they're a lot more lax on leaving patients on their anticoagulants. That's good news for us in primary care. That's good news for patients, a lot less confusion. And I think that should just all make us uh, feel better about our patients and the risk for bleeding undergoing surgery who have to take these medicines. Um, so again, quick recap uh, for elective procedures, whether it be EGDs or colonoscopies, if they're on warfarin, continue warfarin unless uh, the the procedure list thinks there's a really high risk for bleeding, in which case they actually, you can discontinue warfarin and they recommend against bridging unless the patient has a mechanical valve, in which case obviously go back to your Lovenox shots, et cetera. Um, if they are on a DOAC, def- definitely still need to stop that uh, for the short term. If they're on dual antiplatelet therapy, just stop their Plavix, et cetera, but can continue their aspirin. And if they are on aspirin for secondary prevention alone, suggest continuing it. Uh, major GI bleeds, this is something I definitely uh, look up. Uh, if they have an active GI bleed and they're on an anticoagulant. But basically, a lot of the experts are now saying don't use much. Uh, Don't use uh, FFP for warfarin like we used to. Don't use platelet transfusions if you can, if you can get away with it. Um, And even an aspirin for secondary prevention, recommend continuing it um, or definitely restarting it as soon as you confirm hemostasis. Uh, For DOAX, basically stop the DOAC and try not to use the reversing agents. Um, Those are, again, very low recommendations. But again, overall, uh, good changes for us, good changes for patients, um, and at least everything is safe, it sounds like, uh, based on the risks and these uh, studies confirming the trials. 
So this has been Dr. Markless, Primary Care Podcast, reminding you don't need to stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks and have a great week.